You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko. He's James Rapine. Thanks for making us your first listen as we're covering the Bengals' first playoff win in 31 years since they lost to the Los, well, at the time, Los Angeles Raiders, I believe, and Bo Jackson's injury occurred. The Bengals exact their revenge in 2022 with a 26-19 victory over the Raiders leading this one wire to wire James and getting a bit of a monkey off of the collective back of the city of Cincinnati. Yeah, you could say that monkey, a a gorilla, um, mighty Joe young, uh, Godzilla. I don't, I don't know, whatever you want to say, right. Uh, King Kong, King Kong's long lost brother, sister, who's 5,000 more pounds because she consumed a bunch of built bars. I mean, whatever the hell was on the city of Cincinnati's back, Jake, it was, it was large. There was a lot of it. And um, you could feel it. I think everybody could feel it. Uh, last night, shout out to everyone who came to the Grail on uh, on Friday night and, uh, and, and saw us. And we'll, we'll talk more about that and, and everything. But uh, all these people would come up to me like, I feel great. I feel great about tomorrow. It's weird. I feel great, though. I'm not used to this feeling. And that's it. Right. And that, yeah. that's the thing is. Those are the, the people that deserve to celebrate their asses off all night or Saturday night, hopefully all day Sunday, because most of the time, well, for the past 31 years, all seven of their playoff appearances, by the way, I remember every single one I could tell, I'd break them down for you and everything about what went wrong, why it went wrong. Um, and so for the first time in a really long time, first time in my life, you were, you know, uh, drinking Similac still, but uh, you know, I wasn't born yet the last time the Bengals here too. Okay. So maybe a little past Similac applesauce, but belt bar still weren't ready for those. Uh, the last time the Bengals had the playoff win. So um, I'm excited, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for all of those people. And the, the fun part about this, and we're not going to break down the game a ton, like we will a little bit, but I don't think they played that great and they still won. And I, I love that part of it. And it's not like the Raiders are great or anything, uh, but the fact that this team didn't play its best, still were able to win and, uh, and snap that curse or whatever you want to say, that's uh, that's exciting. And I think it bodes well for uh, what they could do uh, in the, the rest of the year, the rest of this season. But yeah, congratulations to all the Bengals fans out there. I hope you're celebrating right now. Thank you. I'm, I'm not celebrating. I'm recording a podcast, but you know, I'll, I'll find you, a way but for the, you rest can go, it, I can, I can finish. Yeah. I, I hope, <laughs> I hope everybody's drinking bourbon right now or beer or however you say eating flaming hot Cheetos. That's my guilty pleasure. It's my favorite, you know, uh, non-healthy snack on the planet. So uh, hopefully you're doing that. I, I prefer the, the jalapeno Cheetos between the two, but I, what I, what I like, I take, I disagree. Get in the comments. Uh, what I liked about the post game, a couple things I liked. One, Joe Burrow is like nonplussed by winning. He's like, yeah, it, it feels good. 
We're going to keep going. We're, we're right back to work tomorrow. There's no celebration is the feel from Joe Burrow, both on the field and in the presser that, that you attended, James. And CJ Uzama, Zach Taylor, both shouting out the city a little bit. They've been here they or, or know the history, right? Zach Taylor giving a game ball to the city of Cincinnati. And all your Zach Taylor criticisms can wait, right? We're not going to talk about them today because this team just broke a 31-year, three-decade playoff drought. But I loved that he acknowledged the the homegrown Cincinnati folks in the in the room, in the press conference room, and gave a game ball to the city of Cincinnati. Said they're still working out the details of like how fans are going to get to interact with this game ball. But it sounds like there's a tangible yeah. plan in place for fans to like hold the ball, get pictures with whatever they want to do. So I, I thought those were really cool moments. And just the disparity of of what this means to the city versus what it means to the team. The team, mm-hmm. workmanlike, ready to get back to work, ready to get healthy, ready for whoever they face. And we don't know yet, although the Bills are winning by like three scores in the first half as we record this. In the, in the second round... The fans get to really enjoy this. And and to CJ Uzama's point, you know, he said they tightened up a little bit on offense in the second half. They get to play loose the rest of the way, and fans get to cheer loose, whatever that means. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I, I think they did get a little tight. And, and that's why I mentioned, by the way, I wasn't trying to rain on anybody's parade. They didn't play their best. and it, But to me, that's encouraging. Because if you can win and not play your best, and I thought Burrow was really good today, and we can dive into some of the – uh, you know, the positives there later. Um, th- that part of it is exciting. The other thing that I liked, you mentioned the game ball for the city, and I love it. I love it for – see, I, I I get saying the city. I want it for Bengals fans everywhere because we reach – and I – we knew this, but still, like the reach, the, the Bengals fans across the country, hopefully that's what they make the game ball. They, they can like mail it to me. city. And, yeah. and I'll share it with the West Coast fans. Yeah. The West Coast fans. The way, you're the only one on Vancouver Island that's a Bengals fan. But it's actually not true. Oh, well. See, they reach everywhere. There's Bengals fans everywhere. Uh, but the, the other thing that stood out was um Mike Brown. Zach Taylor went out of his way, said they was gonna give the a game ball to Mike Brown. And Mike Brown takes a lot of heat, a lot. I've given Mike Brown plenty of heat, and some of it's deserved, you know, some of the heat. Uh, he takes, I think, is BS, it's fluff, it's whatever you want to say to just rip them. Like this isn't – the a lot of that stuff is gone, right? Now there is some stuff, and I'm not going to dive into it now, and there's fair criticisms and there's not. But I never, ever, ever have debated whether or not Mike Brown wants to win. Like he cares about winning. He's always wanted to win. You might not like his methods behind it, right? But he's wanted to win. He's out every practice. Every practice. He's at practice more than I'm at practice. Not many owners are like that. They don't just sit out there or stand out there. He was standing in the cold the other day. My guy was, you know, he's 86 years old standing out there. And so uh, it has to be a great feeling for him because of all the heat. I mean, and again, some of it's deserved. That's fine. But uh, all of that. And he gets that giant gorilla King Kong uncle's brother, sister who ate a built bar sized monkey off of his back as well and uh so yeah I, I feel good for mike brown and i wanted to mention that because i think he deserves it yeah i mean it's obviously been a long time for him and he's been his whole tenure for all yeah. of it rightfully or wrongly and probably a mixture of both of those things but but again not something to dive into on a day of celebration i 
actually just lost my train of thought, James. It's all right. See, you know why? Because that's what happens when something happens that you don't remember in your lifetime and it hasn't happened in my lifetime. It's, it's going to be a little different. The show is going to be a little different than than past ones. Have you thought of it yet? Okay, no, let's, that's fine. Let's, uh, let's, let's no, shift gears. Yeah, well, let's talk about uh, the good. Because those young boys from uh, the Bayou, they uh, they were really, really good. And that's why the Bengals won. And um, yeah, we, we could talk about them next. And the reason they were so good is probably because they're probably on the Built Bar plan, right? Burrow, Built Bar, goes together, Triple Bs. Um, I'm on the Built Bar plan. I, I know I couldn't make those type of plays. Uh, but it does help fuel me on days like this where I got to the stadium about 10 hours ago. All right. And I'm going to be here for another couple of hours. Well, I want a healthy alternative to a lot of a lot of media people are a little thicker here. All right. I want to avoid that. You can avoid it with Built Bars, the number one protein bar on the planet. They're high in protein, low in sugar, low in calories, and they taste great. They're covered in 100 percent chocolate. So you need to get on the Built Bar plan if you haven't already. I know a lot of you are. I know a lot of you are, but if you're not, or if you're a new watcher, new listener to Locked On Bengals, first off, thank you. Second, go to built.com. Make sure you use promo code LOCKED15. You're going to get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Yeah, let's go to the the good from this game. There's a lot of it in the first half. The offense scored on all four of their non-end-of-half possessions where they took a knee just to get into halftime in the first half. Joe Burrow, I thought, started the great started the game great, was absolutely killing the Raiders, and, and the Raiders, for some reason, kept putting their worst corner on Jamar Chase, like the entire game, and, and they refused to adjust. It was Brandon Faison. He then left, I think, with a concussion, and then it was uh, Trufant, Desmond Trufant, who came off the bench, and he's, he's been rotating with face on for the last few weeks, I think for the Raiders, but it was those two guys. And, and they put Casey Hayward on T Higgins and T Higgins had a quiet game. But when you, when you give Jamar chase a matchup against these two guys who, you know, Desmond Trufant used to be a fine player. Neither of those guys are very good in coverage right now in the NFL. They're both terrified of getting beat over the top. Yeah. And and what the Bengals were doing to them in the first half and, and a few times in the second half, uh, most notably on a play that wasn't counted, that was awful. And we're not going to talk about the refs if I can help it. But um, this is another example of what they did to attack it is Jamar Chase would get on their toes, get on their heels and then break or get a back shoulder ball. And it was killing, killing the Raiders. That was pretty much the entire Bengals offense for for a lot of this game. The run game didn't really get going. And the the T Higgins game didn't really get going. CJ Uzama had a really nice game as well, but they were really running the offense through <laughs> Jamar Chase and these continued mismatches and and there was no help for these corners. And and Jamar and Burrow just ate them alive and so Chase finishes with 12 targets, 9 catches, 116 yards. And that's with taking a big play off the board. He also had three carries for 23 yards, the last of which may have been a little bit ill-advised. But you might remember the first Raiders game, some jet sweeps for Jamar Chase that worked well, and we got another one of those in a, in a orbit toss, which is where he goes in motion when Burrow goes under center, showing QB sneak to convert that fourth down. 
And those are two big running plays for Jamar. So huge impact for the Bengals rookie of the year and the, I hope, NFL offensive rookie of the year. Second team NFL all pro Jamar Chase. He better be offensive rookie. Of the, he better be. Um, and uh, yeah, I turned to a, a media member. I'm not going to say who, um, but I was like, I remember when you were team Sewell <laughs> in the middle of the game. I was just like, I, I, I think it might've been in the early fourth quarter. I talk a lot of trash, man. I was, remember when you were on team. Sewell? <laughs> you know, it's like, man, it, I, look, I get it. Like, it, by the way, they did a good job protecting Burrow. Maybe we can mention that at some point. Yeah, we'll go uh, there. I thought overall. Uh, but Chase, man, he's a, I, I don't know why they played him like that, but it's hard to do that against any corner. And the dude's like, he's not like just the best rookie receiver. He's already like there. He's one of those receivers. Look up what Chad Johnson did in the playoffs in 2009. Okay, Darrell Revis. All right, well, what happened uh, in, in 2000? Oh, well, he had injured. What about A.J. Green's first playoff game? What about his second playoff game? Didn't get targeted in the first half against the Texans. This dude, Jamar, is different, man. Like, he's – guys don't do that in their first playoff game. <laughs> they don't. And uh, and that's the, the the wild part to me is, like, it didn't feel big – too big for these young guys. It no. didn't feel too big. You, you remember 2011 in Houston? Felt ginormous to the Bengals. Like, it, it was like, oh, my God. We don't expect to be here. Oh, my gosh. We snuck in and just we're going to sneak on out now. Bye. Like 2012, same thing it felt like. Um, meanwhile, this this rookie is, yeah, like uh, wearing grill. Like he's got all the Chad swag. He's not as loud, but he, but he's got, got his damn diamond grill in and uh, in playing on the field and, you know, nine receptions, 116 yards. I was hoping he would get a touchdown. I wanted to see a real gritty. Since we saw CJ yeah. Usama's gritty, which looked like my gritty, uh, well, it might have been worse. It might have been worse than mine. It, it was pretty once, bad. Once he got to the gritty, it wasn't so good because he was trying, as he explained in the press conference. For those of you that haven't heard it, I know you have, James. He was he was trying to do the icky shuffle into the gritty. He executed the icky shuffle. It's a little bit more of a. It's the, the the footwork is easier, let's say, for the for the icky shuffle versus the gritty. The gritty, yeah. He he knows it needs some work. He he acknowledged as much after the game. He does, yeah. But um, no, Chase is a freak and Burrow's a freak. And uh, so, so the, the three that stuck out to me, young players wise, um, obviously Chase, mm-hmm. Burrow, mm-hmm. Evan McPherson. I know it seems weird, but like you're talking three dudes in the first or second year that like without any of those guys. But, you know, if, yeah. if McPherson misses two of those kicks, the momentum switches. And and we've seen that. Like, we've seen that with Shane Graham. We've seen that in these playoff games. And so you just never know. Uh, all three of them seem to be cut from that same cloth where it's just not too big for them. And I don't know what the hell that is. That's, like, inhuman to me. Because even doing this, right, talking on camera or into a microphone, you know how many reps it took for before I, I would felt comfortable enough? And they, they probably say, well, yeah, that's why I practice all the time. But still, it's different in the playoffs. And it was their first playoff game. And they, they I mean, Burrow completed 71% of his passes, 70.6. That's wild. That's that's right where he's been all season. Also should talk about the offensive line, but you you jogged my memory. I remembered the the thing that I forgot before, you know, in our in our first segment there. And yeah. it was remember before the season when we were talking about all the the game day experience push 
and social media push and how they needed to win and how those mm -hmm. things needed to go together. Yep. They did. I think we have, Perfectly. I mean, they, they're still in the playoffs, but even, even if things don't go their way the rest of the way, and there's no reason to think they won't, they went together. And so two leaps for this organization this offseason in terms of their, their fan experience on game days, their fan engagement through social media, their social media content in general, content around the Bengals, content creators, ourselves included, everybody really had a glow up this year along with the Bengals winning. And, and those things, it's nice when they go hand in hand, right? And that, mm -hmm. that's the only point I was going to make earlier. But um, unless you have anything you'd like to add to that, we can talk about the offensive line a little bit here before we shift over to the defense. Yeah, no, in, yeah, let's, let's talk about the offensive line. It was such a topic on every – I did on Friday. Yeah, Friday before the grail. I did six different either radio or TV – hits because there's so yeah. much interest in the Bengals and every single one asked about protecting Burrow or I bring it up. And it was like this crazy big topic and rightfully so. Cause I think it was one of the paths for the Raiders to win is Crosby and Ngakwe are so damn disruptive that it just stunts the, the Bengals offense. And I get it. Crosby had a sack. I, I don't, I'm not even have the stats up, but they had a sack in the first half on Burrow. The second half, I remember a sack on Burrow. Yep. Um, from Crosby, but that's it, right? I was just two. two. So, so like you would have taken that all day long. And so if you would have showed me those sack numbers along with three total quarterback hits, I would have said, all right, well, the Bengals win the game. And, and obviously they did. Yeah. And I thought that the offensive line mostly played well, the left side, especially. And it was really interesting. They, they put Max Crosby over Jonah Williams on the first play of the game instead of putting him over Isaiah Prince, which was like, they, they maybe did it one or two more times the rest of the game. It was really weird. I yeah. don't know why they would do it. I don't know what the, the idea was there. Maybe it was a, a strength kind of thing, trying to, trying to play against a, an anticipated run in a certain way. But yeah, the offensive line was pretty good. Jonah Williams, Quentin Spain, Trey Hopkins all held up pretty well. Isaiah Prince and Hakeem Adeniji, who we knew we're going to have to deal with with Max Crosby. They both gave up some pressures, but nothing unsurmountable. The offense was designed well to – I mean, you know what you're getting with Gus Bradley. You heard the players talk about it after the game. They're, they're going to play the defense that they play, and mm -hmm. they did. And, you know, Burrow talked about them disguising things a little bit differently than they expected, and maybe that caused some issues. But, you know, the, the passing offense I thought was okay. Uh, pretty good in the first half, really good in the first half, I'd say kind of okay in the second half. But a lot of that's because, you know, they're getting the ball out quick and they were protecting it pretty well, I would say. I, the, the Max Crosby sack even came on a disguised pass rush. There was a, yep. a linebacker blitzing who, who drove Hakeem Adeniji upfield. And I think Mitch Schwartz had a good tweet about this, that the right tackle Isaiah Prince didn't get vertical enough in his set. And so there's no chance to pass it off once once uh once they started executing the stunt and so they had to even scheme up max crosby's pressures and he, and he got his but he wasn't a game wrecker and that was the talking point before the game right is you know there was some josh jacobs chatter it was a little bit concerning but the game script went in their favor i think that's something we need to talk about and and it was protection and i would mm -hmm. say this is one of the better protected games we've seen for Joe Burrow in quite some time. Coming up next, let's talk a little bit about that game script, James, and some some defensive notes and any other closing thoughts we have as the Bengals have won their first playoff game 
in a very long time. First, I have to tell you about Bet Online because it's a new year. The Bengals are not just playoff bound or AFC North champions. Now they're divisional round bound. And we don't know as we record this who they're going to play yet, but you can wager on that matchup at betonline.ag. It's the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action this year. And look, maybe you think the Bengals are going to win the AFC and make the Super Bowl. Maybe you think they're going to win the Super Bowl. You can wager on all of those things at betonline.ag. So don't delay from the NBA to uh, coaches. There's eight different coaching vacancies right now. There's odds there for that and so much more. One spot, betonline.ag. And right now when you sign up, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code locked on. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, locked on. The Bengals are locked in to the divisional round. We are locked on at betonline.ag. Use that promo code for a 50% welcome bonus. Bet online. It's where the game starts. Gents, before we talk game script, defense, real quick note. Everybody who's listening knows the outcome of this game most likely. At halftime, Buffalo leads New England 27-3. to And so it looks like the Bengals will be going down to Nashville, that Tennessee, Tennessee trip that we discussed, unless there's a crazy upset on Sunday. But looks very likely at this point. And, and, and by the way... I like that better than having to go to Arrowhead. Uh, yep. Yep. There, no there's not much of a debate there for me. The only thing <laughs> would be uh, Tennessee is rested. They get Derrick Henry back, all these things. But uh, let's let's talk game script in this game. I think it was really important, James, that the Bengals were leading at some point by by it was it was 20 to six yep. before Vegas scored a touchdown going into the half. Mm-hmm. And Josh Jacobs in this game had 13 carries for 83 yards, average of six and a half yards per carry. And I know he had that one big 35 yard run that contributed mm-hmm. to this. And I know the Raiders had holding penalties in the run game that negated some other stuff and the holding penalties that count because that's a negative play for your offense when you need to hold in the running game. Derek Carr was 29 of 54 in this game for 5.7 yards per attempt took three sacks and the Bengals having that early lead. This is why we talk about this James from time to time. We didn't talk about it in this game, but the reason that we talk about it is because if the Raiders were able to stay balanced and they weren't down and they weren't down two scores in the fourth quarter, it's why I agree with kicking the field goal that, that the Bengals did down in the red zone, by the way, Mm-hmm. then they can use Josh Jacobs more late in the game when the Bengals are gassed and they're down three defensive linemen. And that is certainly something we need to talk about. They lose Mike Daniels, uh, Larry Ogunjobi, and Trey Hendrickson in this game. They got to figure that out for next week, but that's a problem for tomorrow. Josh Jacobs could have been a bigger factor in this game. Instead, it was in Derek Carr's hands. And Derek Carr could not push the ball downfield. For whatever reason, whatever Lou is doing, and and we'll have to get the all 22 and look at what they were doing at the back half of that defense, there was next to nothing vertical in this game for the Raiders offense, just like the last time the Bengals played the Raiders. And when, when you have to do that over and over for an entire game, a lot of times you, you can't finish drives, and that's how the game ended in the Bengals' mm-hmm. favor. So going up early, 
in this game, getting a fast start was huge because they didn't have the third quarter, the fourth quarter that we've grown accustomed to seeing. Instead, it was a fast start that put them in the driver's seat and gave them the margin for error that eventually ends up being the margin of victory. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I thought, I thought a quick start would be huge for a bunch of reasons, right? Edge rusher wise, if you're not dropping back 50 times that, that mattered, right? Obviously with the Josh Jacobs thing, it mattered. Um, I was surprised at how well he could run it, but you're right. The injuries are, are certainly a part of it. And by the end, that's the scary part, man. You give the ball to them. And I'm like, all right, you don't have Hendrickson. You don't have uh, Ogunjobi. Like, how many big plays have they made, right? Ogunjobi uh, with the big yeah. uh, fumble recovery that, oh, Trey Hendrickson forced. It, you know, it, it really turned the game. And so you don't have those guys. It's tough to end a game when you can't get pressure. And they still did. B.J. Hill had a sack. And then yep. Darren Waller is like, nope, it's not over yet. And that's it, man. I will give the Raiders credit. They've been through everything this year. And uh, in large part, like drama wise and like, like controversy and just like stuff to overcome wise, it kind of reminded me of the 09 Bengals, like where you had, you know, the, the tragic death of Chris Henry and just everything that had gone on that year. And you get to the end of it and you just have nothing left. Well, the, the Bengals went out and got blown out by the Jets at this stadium. Meanwhile, this Raiders team, they go on the road, they're in the cold, and suddenly they have the ball down seven with the chance to, to go tie the game or win the game. And I was wondering if they would go for two. I thought about that. I know they played in a lot of overtime games. I was thinking that, like, man, I wonder if they would just say, let's try to, to steal it and get out of here. Because the Bengals had outplayed them, and then it's only a seven-point game because they had settled for field goals. Um, yeah, anyway, go ahead. It's just, yeah, when you've been behind the whole game, I wonder what that decision would have been. I, I don't think that – I don't know how to say his name. Rick Basakia, is that right? I, I don't know if that's a – Basakia. Yeah, I don't think he would have. I think he would have kicked the field goal. I don't or, think that's the, the kind of decision he would make, yeah. Because uh, because we saw him do this in the game. Like they had a fourth and three in the red zone. They kicked a field goal instead of going for it at that point to figure out or try to get the touchdown. And, and then they end up losing the game on a fourth and goal from the nine. So – you know, th th that's what makes it interesting, right? Like when these coaches pass up the the fourth and short earlier to take the points, and then later it ends up, oh, now it's a fourth and 10. Now it's a fourth mm -hmm. and goal from the nine. And and both teams, I think, had, you know, some, some game management miscues. Derek Carr spiking the ball. Joe Burrow using a timeout when they were trying to draw the Raiders off sides before kicking that field goal on fourth down. Um, but... Neither here nor there. Gutty effort from the defense. Credit B.J. Hill, which he did after those guys went out on the defensive line for getting that sack and, and burning some time, which probably forces the Raiders' hand a little bit, makes them feel like they have to take that spike. And uh, credit uh, Sam Hubbard, who played, sounds like, the entire second half and got his head on a ball that could have been a touchdown, aimed at, at uh, Darren Waller on a little out route there. Mm -hmm. And the the head, the header, to use the the old English football term, uh, you know, potentially save some points. And those guys were all really gassed at that point and just trying to do whatever they could. You know, Cam Sample playing defensive tackle. They didn't have enough defensive tackles to even play their base defense without moving guys yeah. around. So it was really stretched thin there. And and you hope that some of these guys can get back next week. 
Yeah, you certainly hope so. Um, and we'll see. Zach is going to talk Sunday, so we'll, we'll know more then, um, Sunday afternoon. Uh, but my boy, the the one that everybody was talking about was being slept on coming into this year. And, and I get it. Jesse Bates has struggled at times this year. Certainly the numbers aren't there. My dude showed up when it mattered. And I, I said this. I think I said this to Paul Daner Jr. before the game. I was like, man, Bates could still make all that money back. As up and down, as weird as it's been, if he balls out in these playoffs and they make a run, then, you know, he's got a chance to do that. And get this, Jake, he had four passes defensed all damn season. I think he played in 16 games. I'm not looking at it. You know, he missed the Jacksonville game. So I think in 16 games, he had four passes defensed, which was awful for him. He had three tonight. And uh, big plays, key plays. Um, I, I was thinking that maybe he would be able to hang on to that one in the end zone on that final drive before Pratt did hang on to it. Um, but, but he was unable to do so either way though. I thought Jesse Bates stood out to me as a, you know, guy that had a big night for sure. Yeah. He had a nice game. I think Cheeto had a nice game. He had, he had one penalty that was not ideal, but yeah. uh, you know, Cheeto in general continues to be a very good corner that we don't have to talk about very much because he isn't getting beat a ton. Uh, I thought the linebackers also played an at least average, if not above average game. Jermaine Pratt obviously having a fun time saying he wanted that interception and his teammates really pumping him up for being the turnover guy on the defense, always trying to get the ball out, always trying to turn the ball <laughs> over for the defense. And Logan Wilson in his return, I thought was also okay. I think, you know, there were, there were at times some some issues in coverage for that unit, but overall, I thought, they played fairly well. I think that losing those guys on the defensive line hurt them a little bit in the run game. And looking ahead, you know, these guys are going to have to play big. Derrick Henry and the Titans is a very likely second-round opponent for the Cincinnati Bengals as they advance in the 2022-2021 season playoffs here in 2022. It's going to be a big running game with that Tennessee Titans offense big running hey man you need to stop you need to stop counting out juju by the way are you rooting for hmm because then you'd have to go to the what you'd have to go to buffalo i I think i think that i would rather the bengals go play tennessee than either let buffalo and kansas city deal with each other I, i i think i agree with that i think i agree with that i'm just so yeah because because then Pittsburgh would play Tennessee. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. We've seen that before. Yeah, yeah. All right. I. Yeah. So now you can root against the Steelers. There was a scenario like if the Pats win, I w- I would be and they're not going to. I, I would be rooting for the, yeah. the Steelers to yeah, knock you, out. You, but anyways. Or or you might feel a little bit of hesitancy to openly celebrate what should be a thorough whipping at the hands of the Kansas City Chiefs. The biggest. The biggest line in the playoffs, I think, like two score, three score, two score, two scores. I think yeah. uh, the the Kansas City Chiefs are favored by the Cincinnati Bengals. James win the playoff game. Tim Crumry on on Twitter tweeting about the the end of the curse of Bo Jackson. So some of the players certainly believe in it. I think Sam Hubbard talked about it too. He said he he's been in since he's from Cincinnati. He knows. He said he feels like a curse has been lifted. So for everybody that didn't want to talk about the curse of Bo Jackson this week, the Bengals end the playoff drought against the team that started it. The Bo Jackson game, of course, 
and we can all celebrate. They they took the dagger, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. They both had daggers, and they were looking at a demon, this playoff demon that was 31 years old. It's an ugly mf or two, and they stabbed that thing right in the heart. They kicked it down. They took uh, its head off, and uh, man, it's it's good to see. So hopefully, now that the demon's gone. Yeah, we, we see it. We see a little bit of a run here. But no, like I said at the top, excited for all the, the Bengals fans out there. Celebrate. Enjoy it. Have two built bars, not one. Uh, and uh, man, I uh, I hope we're talking about uh, more and more, more and more playoff football. I don't want to just have one more postgame show, Jake. Spoiler. I want to have like three more. What do you think? Three more? Let's see. You got division, got AFC championship, got Super Bowl. That sounds good. I like that. See, plan. you're supposed to be a numbers guy, and you had to use your your fingers for that. You, you can't see that. That's below the camera. <laughs> I did. I, I did it though. You're right. <laughs> oh man! All right, let's get out of here. The Bengals win. Everybody's happy. We're happy. You're happy. We'll be back tomorrow. No days off. It's the playoffs, baby. For James Rapine, I'm Jake Lisko. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Bengals podcast. Who day? And have a good one.